chapter 4. <clears throat> and the title is Temptation, the Enemy's Attempt to Steal. And we're learning that we have to test everything to see if it's from God because we've learned that not every thought that we have is from God. Not every feeling that we have comes from God. And so we have to test things. Not every word that is spoken to us is from God. So we have to test it. Which means that we have to be on guard on what enters our thoughts. But not only what enters our thoughts, but what we think on. What we allow to take root in our hearts and in our minds. We have to be on guard against that. Because if we're not, then those bad thoughts are going to get rooted into our thoughts and into our soul and into our mind and even into our feelings. And then it's going to get us off course of what God has for us. So in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it reads like this. <clears throat> my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And just real quick, the word life there just means um, life but it means life that is refreshing. Okay? Verse 23, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And last week we stopped at this portion in this set of Scriptures, but we're going to continue because I think it's important that we see how all of this works together. Verse 24 says, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And so in verse 24, he tells us that we're to do something in light of all of this. And this is how we guard our heart and mind is we put away uh, from us crooked speech put away devious talk okay but I like what he says in verse 25 he says let your eyes look directly forward because you know that means that when we're not looking forward we can get distracted easier when we start paying attention to what's over here instead of looking at Jesus looking at what God has to say we're starting to entertain what other people are saying. And we start kind of hanging around them. And so it's important for us to have our eyes direct, directly forward. Let your gaze be straight before you. And, you know, because when it's not, we start looking at other people. And we start judging things by what other people have and what they're doing and and. You know, then we get off course. Not every thought or feeling we have is from God. And so we have to be watchful over whatever comes our way. In everything we see, think or feel. In verse 26, he says, ponder the path of your feet. And that word ponder, it, it means to weigh it out. To weigh it out. And. To weigh it out and to make level or smooth. And this is our responsibility 
to ponder the path of your feet. In other words, he's saying, think about what is going to be the consequences of the decision that you're making, of the direction that you're heading in. Weigh it out and make sure that it's smooth and level for you. And again, I just want to remind you, this is our responsibility. And if you want to turn with me to Psalm 115, 16. I'm going to interject something here that uh, I do every so often. And some people get mad at me when I say this, but it's okay. You've been mad before, you'll get mad again. But I hear this statement all the time that, well, God is in control of everything. Well, no, he's not in control of everything. If he was in control of everything, you'd be a whole lot better than what you are. You wouldn't be going through the struggles that you're going through if God was in control of everything. But you know what? God doesn't want to be in control of everything. He wants us to partner with him. And so he's given us the freedom to do that. Or he's also given us the freedom not to partner with him. But we have these Christians going around saying, oh, God is in control of everything. No, he's not. He has limited himself. He is sovereign, but he's not in control. And there's a big difference in those. But he has given us, mankind, the ability to make decisions. And those decisions are based, are we going to follow him or are we not going to follow him? And he has given us the freedom to choose either one of those. And even as a believer, you can receive salvation, but that doesn't mean you're following after him. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. And he doesn't even say to those who are born again. He just says to the children of man or mankind. And unfortunately, evil is prevalent in on the earth today because of Adam's sin by him choosing to turn away from God. And when he did that, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, death entered the world as well. Because the result of sin is death. It's that plain and it's that simple. And yet we have people who want to mock God and, you know, get mad at him for all the negative stuff that is going on here. But yet they do not want to give up their freedom to choose. You can't have it both ways. If we are going to have the right to choose and the freedom to choose whatever path we want to take, then God has to allow that, and He has, then we're the ones who are going to suffer the consequences if we choose wrong. And trust me, mankind has chosen wrong. In other words, here's, here's what it is. If you don't want to serve God and love Him and be loved by Him, you don't have to be. And when you choose not to follow God, then quit complaining about the state of affairs on the earth today. Because you are part of the problem. Because you are walking away from God. And the laws that God has established 
and put into practice or put in his word are to protect us. They're not to hinder us and to keep us in bondage or anything. It's to keep us in freedom if we will follow them. He will not force us to follow him. He does not want robots. He wants human beings who want to cooperate with him, who want to partner with him and walk with him and trust him. Have faith in him. And because of that, because we have the freedom to choose, that is why sin and death are in the world. Not because of an unloving God, but because we have such a loving God who has given us the freedom to turn away from him freely and completely and be our own God. Why is there so much heartache, hurt, pain, abuse and all the evil that you can imagine? Because man has chosen it. By their own choices to turn away from God and do their own thing. And we are born into sin. And so we are born into death. The scripture says because of that. Until we give our life to Christ. And then once we give our life to Christ. Then even though we're in the natural surrounded by death. In the spirit we are alive unto God. So we are born into sin. And we are going to reap physical death because of that. And if we choose not to trust in Jesus Christ in his sacrifice and follow him, then we will walk in this world without God. And I don't know how anybody ever wants to do that. It's hard enough with him. I don't know why anybody would want to walk without him. But if we choose not to trust in Jesus and his sacrifice and follow after him, we will walk in this world without God and then we will live for eternity without him too. And I'm telling you, that is what hell is. And I'm telling you, God does not send anybody to hell. If you're going to walk with him without him on this earth and when you die, you're going to continue in that pathway. And that is going to be hell to live eternally without the presence of God in your life. And so God isn't sending anybody to hell. You are choosing to go there on your own. You are choosing a life without him on this earth and for eternity. Now that I have that off my chest. We'll get back to the message. So not every thought or feeling we have comes from God. And not every thought and feeling we have. Do we need to act upon it? Do we need to allow it to identify us? I mentioned this last week and I want to mention it again as you're turning with me to Genesis chapter 3. Every temptation starts with a thought. A thought that is a lie from the enemy. If it comes from the enemy, it's a lie and it's a temptation. Okay, but it's just a thought. Every temptation we have is is a test of God's identity of who God is. And it's a test of our identity 
of who we are. Are we God's or are we ours? For us to sin, the enemy has to convince us of a different God. He changes the identity of God. Once he changes the identity of who God is, then we automatically change. In other words, when in our minds we have bought into the lie from the enemy, our understanding of who God is, our identity of who God is has changed. Immediately we have changed. Because now we are going to sin because now we can't trust God and we're going to have to take matters into our own hands. And when we take matters into our own hands, that's not good. It's horrible. And here's the reality. The enemy doesn't have to change all the truth about God. He just has to change enough to change your identity of who God is. Because when he can change just enough of the truth to change your perception of who God is, then he knows you're going to sin. This is how it happens. And this is how it happened in the garden. And just like I mentioned before, it's still working, so he's still using this tactic. And that brings me to a main concept that uh, I know that I've shared this years ago and, and every so often it's, it's worth sharing. So today we're going to get it. It's the fact that the enemy brings us to a place when he changes the identity of who God is in our hearts and in our minds. Then he brings us to a place of discontentment. We become discontented because the enemy convinces us that God really doesn't love us, that he doesn't have the best for us in his mind. And so we can't really trust him. And so we become discontent. And. Again, the enemy doesn't have to change all of the truth, just enough of the truth that will cause us to become discontent. And choose to live contrary to the word of God. And that brings us to Genesis three. We looked at this last week, but I'm going to. Add some stuff and hopefully give you an illustration to wrap all of this up. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. So let's just pause here for a moment. Is that what God said? No, that's not what God said. We're going to read what he said in just a second. Okay. But he didn't say this. But the enemy comes and he's got to change their identity of who God is. And so he asks this question. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. That is correct, except for the um, touching part. And some people get all bent out of shape that, you know, well, that's not what he said. But you know what? 
that's how you play with sin, right? You get close enough to it and you start touching it and feeling it. So I'm okay that she said this. Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. She quoted back what God said. The enemy refutes that. So now she has to figure out, well, is he right or is God right? Am I going to die or am I not going to die? And all he's doing is changing it enough to get her perception, her identity of God changed. Verse 5. And this is the enemy speaking again. Well, let's go back to 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's just twisting a little bit of God's word, flipping it for his benefit. So when the woman, verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a, a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So after the fall, then their eyes were open, but it was open to good and evil. They were not like God. They were already like God. Now they become different than God. Their whole identity of who God is has changed. They're discontent with who God is because they think he's withholding good from them. When he's not, he's withholding evil from them. He's, he's withholding death from them because if they eat of this, they're going to sin and the result of sin is death. So look back up to Genesis chapter 2 now. Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse 15. And this is where he creates Adam. The Lord God took the man. And put him in the garden of Eden. To work it and keep it. Let me pause here for a moment. Because <laughs> this might help this generation out. Work is of God. This is. Genesis chapter 2 is before the fall. So I want you to know work is of God. He put him in the garden and he told him to work it and keep it. We have a generation coming up that doesn't want to work, doesn't think that they ought to have to work. And if they are going to work, it's going to be on their schedule, not on the company's schedule. Hello. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Okay, remember, he lied to her. You can't eat of any of them. 
he said you can eat of any of them. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. At the end of this verse, he says, for in the day that you eat of it. Okay? He's giving them an option. In Genesis 3, 5, this is what it says. For God knows that when. Everybody say when. God's saying, look it, don't eat of it, for if you eat of it, this is what's going to happen. You're going to die. But the enemy comes to them and he says, when, listen, when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Just flipping things a little bit. So when we wrap this up, Adam heard what God had spoken. He had passed this truth on to Eve. She heard of it and spoke it. And the enemy just flipped the scriptures on them. And it's all true. But the enemy flipped the scriptures to make them think that they would not sin because they had to because they had a change of identity of who God is and they became discontent with their lives and they took the bait and took life into their own hands their life into their own hands we do the same thing we explain away the portion of scriptures to try to give us justification for sin we can believe something all of our life and then all of a sudden we want to sin, so we have to change. Well, he doesn't really mean that. Well, you know, culturally back then, this is what it meant. But it doesn't mean that today. Oh, it doesn't? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever as well. And matter of fact, he says that he, he cherishes his word. I don't think his word's changing. I think his word is secure for every generation, for all times. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what time you're living in. They weren't supposed to eat of it. The enemy flipped it around and told them it was okay. So, in their minds, in their thoughts, God's identity changed. Their identity immediately changed. They became discontent with life, with the life that God had given them, with God. And they, with the help of the enemy, flipped the meaning of the scriptures to meet their desires so that when they flipped it, it became their truth, not God's truth. And this is why we need to know the Word of God and we need to know the whole counsel of the Word of God. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us and part of the job of the Holy Spirit 
is to lead us and guide us into all truth. Not our truth, but all of God's truth. Not just our portion that we want to have to justify our sin, but all of truth. And we need the counsel of godly, mature believers surrounding us and speaking into our lives so that we don't get off course. And so I want to encourage you and and challenge you with this. We need each other in our lives. We need each other in our lives to speak to us, to help um, keep us on the straight and narrow so that if we are left to ourselves, we're going to get off sight and we're going to become an island unto ourselves. I want to explain this, this flipping that the enemy does with an illustration. Because his flipping of the scriptures, twisting of the scriptures is to get us to sin, to, be, to cause us to become discontent with who God is. Before I say this, I want to make sure that we understand this. We all have hurts. We all have disappointments. We all suffer pain. We all suffer loss. We all experience some form of destruction in our lives. Nobody is immune to that. If you think that because you gave your life to Jesus Christ, everything was going to be rosy, somebody lied to you. If you thought when you gave your life to Christ, Everything was going to be great. Somebody lied to you. You see, we experience all of those things and and many more because that all comes with sin and with Satan. We all have them. We will all experience them. We will all experience some form of destruction. Those can define us as to how we view life. Those can be the lenses in which we see life through. Our hurt, our pain, our frustration, our disappointment, our sufferings, the abuse that occurred to us. That can be our filter in which we see all of life through. And if we leave it at that, then we're going to have a difficult life. If all we're looking at is what we've suffered, it's going to be hard to live. But God offers us a different way of seeing things. You see, when we look at life through our hurt and pain and suffering, okay, then we're not seeing the life that God has for us. What God intends for us to do is to have the word of God be our filter. Not our hurt and pain and suffering. We all experience the hurt and pain and suffering. We all are going to filter life through them in some fashion. 
But what God desires is for us to look into the word of God, to allow the word of God to be that which we filter all the hurt and pain and suffering through. When we understand the word of God and it, it, it's I, I don't know how to illustrate it, but. This is. Anybody. I'm, I need some lens. Yeah. I'm not going to put them on. I'm just going to show you because these are Diana's. Aren't they cute? We're either going to see life through this and this alone. And this represents all the hurt and pain and suffering. We're either going to see it through that or we can see it through this. We're going to see the word of God first. We're going to trust in what God says first. And then we're going to examine the rest of our life through this. And so for those of you who can't see. I have a pair of sunglasses, lenses, and then I have the word of God in front of that. Like between me and them. So that I'm seeing things. We're seeing things according to the word of God. And not just. By the lenses that we live in. You see when we don't do it according to the word of God. When the word of God is not forefront in our minds. Then we don't know the promise that God will work all things out for our good. Because we love him. We don't know that. And so all we focus on is all the loss that we've suffered. All the disappointment that we've suffered. We just we see life through that. And then we get depressed and we get discouraged. But then when we have the word of God, then we know that he's working all things out for our good. We know that he hasn't uh, left us or forsaken us. We're not orphans down here anymore. We have a purpose in life. You see, we have to have the word of God before us first. And that's why it's so important that we have an understanding of God's word in our hearts and in our minds. If you can turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, I also have to mention this, that believers are the ones who can have the word of God before them to see life properly. If you don't know God's word, if you're not born again, you're not going to understand it. You're just going to be miserable with what life throws your way. And this is what I'm talking about, the flipping. Okay, this is how God intends for us to live. This is how the enemy flips it. Like this, but then we diminish the word of God as well. Okay, and that's, that's what I'm talking about with flipping. The enemy, all he does is flip the thing and our lens, we see life through our lens. And not the word of God, even though the word of God is there at first, but then it just begins to diminish in us. And we we fit the word of God into our experiences rather than 
letting the Word of God be our experience in whatever we are experiencing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is a mouthful. So let's break it down. Everything is beautiful when? In its time. May not be right away. May not be while you're experiencing it. But give it some time. When you're walking with God and you're going to filter your life through the word of God in time, it will become beautiful. Also, he has put eternity in man's heart. So there's a longing in each and every one of us. To know God, to know his ways and his purposes. To have a relationship with him, and that's really what this means. Okay. But the end of this says, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. If you have other trains, you'll see that basically what he's saying is you can't exhaust all of God. Even though he's put eternity in our hearts, we can't exhaust knowing all of the amazing attributes, character and nature of who God is. We will never be able to exhaust them, even when we get to heaven. The lens, the filter that God wants us to view life through is his word, not our experiences. Not the pain and the suffering. Not the disappointments. When the difficulties, the trials, the abuses of life happen, and we try to make sense of these things on our own because we don't understand how could this happen to have happened to us, we have to flip to the place the Word of God needs to be in our lives, we need to make sure the word of God is in its proper place in our life. We still may not understand it completely, but I'm going to tell you, you'll have a better understanding of it with the word of God in our lives. And all the enemy does is instead of us seeing life through the word of God, he flips the lens, he flips the filters and we see life through our own circumstances. And then we make the word of God fit into our experiences. And that is not the way God intends for us to live. That's exactly what the enemy got them to do in the garden. And that's what he does for us as well. To get us to sin. He just flips the switch there. This is why it is so important for us to be on guard. To have somebody help us to watch over us. We cannot rely on our natural understandings in processing life. We have to know the Word of God. 
This is why it's so important for us to make sure that we know the word of God, obey it, have the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us into the truth of God's word, have godly, mature believers surrounding us and speaking truth to us, the whole truth of God's word into our lives so that we can make it. We need one another. We need one another to stay on point, to weigh what is going to happen if we make this decision, to ponder what does it mean to uh, have our way. Is it going to be level? Is it going to be smooth? Stand with me if you will, please. When we don't know the word of God and we don't have people around us, we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Then the enemy just comes in and through our heart and pain discredits the word of God in our life. And that discredit gives us justification to sin. That's not what God has called us to. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. We thank you that your word is true. Thank you that we can understand your word because you've given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. He is the one who will bring revelation. But Lord, we also need one another. We need godly, mature believers to speak into our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you would raise them up in this house, that we would be able to speak to one another, that we would be able to speak to this world the truth, the whole truth of your word, Father. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. All right, have a great week. And if you need prayer, feel free to come.